Welcome to the Missio Day podcast. Missio Day is a family of Jesus joining God as he makes all things new in Chicago. Check us out online at missiodechicago.com. We are doing something today that ends up falling outside of any series. It's sort of its own little Sunday to honor exactly the moment that we're in and to just start the new year off worshiping God together. Lucas and I planned a couple of weeks ago um, just to give some break around the holiday. Like, what are we thinking for this day? And we said, let's just spend more time worshiping and less time talking. Um, but then I just started to dive into prayer and I feel like I have just something that I'm supposed to be sharing with us as a community, for me as well. But um, I'm just excited to dive in just to this one-off conversation. Uh, for me, the holidays were lovely, but not at all what we planned them to be. All holiday plans got changed with two cases of COVID, one in our home knocking out the first week, and one with uh, my family, which was our destination for New Year's, knocking out our plans for the second week. So that's just the reality, and I think that a lot of us can just feel that sense of tension, the exhaustion from making decisions again on what's what to do, what not to, how does travel look, all of that. So I'm coming to you, and I say all that just because I like to be honest with you all on where, where I am, and I, I hope you feel like you can do the same with others in this community. But that sort of forced pause on all thing holiday uh, kind of forced me to start thinking about things like traditions and how time is passing. And especially this weekend got me thinking, of course, about um, our traditions that got canceled for New Year's Eve and looked totally different than usual. And it gave me a lot of time sitting still in sort of an isolation kind of a way but with family. It was lovely still. But I was sort of forced in this slowed down time to think about how we engage with time, the sense of passing time. I can't tell you how moments of these last few weeks felt so slow and yet oddly disappearing at the same time. It was strange. So I decided, okay, I need to dive into what this experience is to make sure I'm not just having a midlife crisis, which I don't think I am. So I was thinking about this passing of time. How do we engage with time as a resource? Think about the language we use with time. We know it's a resource. We talk about how we spend it how we use it, how we lose it. It's a resource. It's moving too fast or it's moving too slow. Well, it actually isn't changing its speed at all. But how we're experiencing it really can change. This past weekend marks one of our modern notable markers of time. New Year's Eve. It's a new year or New Year's Day. We tend to get more excited about the Eve part. People and cultures, and I think just individuals, they tend to engage with time in different ways. In some, I, I fall into both camps, I think. Some view time as linear, like we talked about with our Advent series, right? Over here, we have the past. We're somewhere in the present. We're going towards the future. It's a timeline, like you would see in your history books. That's linear time. And some cultures and individuals feel time a little bit more cyclical, with the seasons kind of, on repeat, driven by what the seasons are. Let's talk about that one for a minute. I think in a lot of cultures, that was a more natural response when your whole livelihood was really dependent on the season. Was it time to sow? Was it time to harvest? Was it time to preserve? Who, what was the hunting of that season? There was a cyclical nature to everyday living that made that rhythm feel very natural. I still feel traces of that, but mine comes out in such a sillier way. It's more like, is it time to put on my down coat 
or my beach chair backpack when I leave the house? Is it appropriate to order iced tea or a pumpkin spice latte? I have like the lame modern version of cravings for seasons, but I feel like there's something deep in us. But, th but that's not deeply rooted in any kind of provision for our livelihood or anything like that, in my desire for those, those cyclical season changes. Uh, it's more like, you know, like I said, like the light things. But some of you feel those cycles a little bit more. I would say students feel them with the start of a new school year. It's, it's finals time. Accountants feel it. April 15th is like the day that's looming. Some of us feel it with the end of our fiscal year. So there's some of that that's a little more real than my pumpkin spice latte. But um, a lot of it, it, the cycles aren't the same as those cultures that really depended on what was happening in nature for their very provision and what they were supposed to do that day. But our calendars remind us that without a doubt, time is also linear. It's moving in a direction and it keeps on it keeps on going from past to present. I think about our language now in, uh, in U.S., how I hear us talking about it. Uh, we talk about time is money. Uh, be efficient. You snooze, you lose, things like that. We have a time sense, uh, scarcity mentality. We're kind of always just running out of time. You can hear this often when we talk about like, hey, how are you? The common answer is busy. I think we've gone a step past that. If I call somebody without planning it first, like the first thing I say is, I know you're busy. Wait, they didn't tell me that. It's just I'm just already worried that they're feeling out of time and I'm already encroaching on their time. The first thing we say, I know you're busy. We all know everybody's busy. We all are. Because our culture values being busy. I think of it like a metronome. Do you guys know those, those things? They're called metronomes. I used to have one when I was practicing piano. They keep a beat, and so you can learn to keep up and not make up your own pace, right? So it's the pace setter in music, and there's this little weight on it, and when you move the weight down, is that the right order, Todd? When you move the weight down, it goes faster. And so you, it's like through time, slowly, time just has told us the metronome is speeding up, and we try to get to the pace of the metronome. I think of in our linear mindset, I'm kind of a visual thinker. I think that uh, some people are wired in different ways. Sometimes I just feel like I'm getting tensed up in one of these ways. One is that we're sort of looking to the past while time's forcing us forward and we're just bumping into the current moment, not really realizing it because we're trying so hard to hold on to something that's in our rearview mirror. And other times we get paced this way where we're just like so set for the thing that's ahead. We've got all of our focus on it and everything present just kind of gets lost. These are normal human ways to engage with linear time. But I heard once an image, listen to me, well, this is not biblical, okay? This is just like an image. If you're an image person like I am, when you're stressing or feeling angsty in either of those directions, what does it look like to engage with linear time in a way that's healthy enough to say, I can stay firmly footed in the present moment that I'm in and honor the past that has brought me to this place, all the way back to the past that we read about in Old Testament scriptures. I honor this past. I look forward to a future. What if healthy engagement with linear time looks a lot more like the shape of the cross? Again, that's not biblical. This is not the purpose of the cross. This is just for those of you who are visual people when you're stressing out in one of those directions, which is very normal as we engage with the passing of linear time. What does it look like to try to have this kind of image instead. I wonder as well, 
What would it have felt like? This is just a little Melissa aside, but like, what would it felt like to have your metronome set to the sunset and to the rainy season instead of what culture says it should be set to? It's like, well, you thought you were going at this pace, but today it's raining and it's going to rain for a week and my metronome just changed. I just think that'd be fascinating. But our culture controls our metronome, and that's why I give you that image that I read somewhere just saying like, well, that might be a healthy reminder when I'm doing that thing. I don't know about you, I just know that like anxiety has increased in a lot of people these last few years. And so that's just a way to say like, how do I engage with the moment that I'm in in a healthy way? Anyway, Again, that's not deep, but what it is, is it's trying to say, like, I am engaged in this passing of time, and I want to do this well. A few years ago, like 10 or 11 years ago, I felt like we were really in a changing season as our youngest was getting ready to go to full-time school, and I remember just sort of, Andy and I were on a vacation without the kids, which was very, very rare, and in my devotional reading, I came across Psalm 90, and in verse 12, Moses writes, help me to number my days aright that I may gain a heart of wisdom. I think that that was in the version I was reading at the time. It's slightly different in the one on the screen, but it's so wise. Help us to number our days wisely that we may gain a heart of wisdom, to know how to engage in this passing time in a way that is wise and isn't wasting away and isn't longing for the future. Anyway, I feel like in a moment like this weekend where we feel this marked time passing, it made me wonder, like, how do we engage with this, this weekend, this cultural mark of New Year's Day? Is it linear or is it cyclical? It feels like it should be cyclical because it comes around every year. And every year we celebrate it and we talk about our plans and we sing, what are you doing, New Year's Day, and all that. We have a cyclical sense to it, but it doesn't feel cyclical. It just feels like once every 365 days, linearly, We all start talking about this big deal where everything is still moving forward. When we talk about New Year's, we're really forward talking all the time. So it doesn't feel rooted in anything else. It feels like looking to the future, trying to think of what's going to be new, what's going to be different. It's a forward-looking mark on the calendar. It's missing the deeper roots of cyclical time. It just seems more like it's stamped on a linear timeline regularly somewhat different than that deep cycle. So perhaps, as I admitted, I probably felt a little uprooted this year, and so I was longing for a deeper feeling because a lot of the depths of our holidays just got shifted around a bit. So I picked up this book, uh, Moments and Days. This is a book that I've had on my list for years, and I thought, well, I got the time to read it now. Michelle Van Loon is a Messianic Jew. What that means is she grew up Jewish, all of uh, Jewish heritage, family, Jewish holidays, all of that. She came to believe in Christ as the Messiah, as I believe a young, a young adult. And so she entered into Christianity with this deep, deep tradition of Jewish, Jewish heritage and history. And it was so wonderful to read the depth of our own history that we have been grafted into, as for those of us who are Gentile Christians, uh, not born Jewish, but we've been grafted into this, but we, we've missed out on some of the depth that happens in these cyclical holidays of Jewish culture. Remember, Jesus would have celebrated these, uh, these Jewish cycles and traditions. The early church, the Jews would have been uh, engaged in these. They were part of their, their culture. And the thing that she points out is that for the Jewish people, for the people of God, 
these holidays, these, these moments and days, these sacred moments, they were cyclical, but with direction. Unlike perhaps some of the other cultures in the ancient Near East where those seasonal uh, rhythms just were kind of like a hamster wheel, God inserted a direction. We're going somewhere. There is a story that is being fulfilled. And so the Jewish uh, uh, time sense really did cyclical along with direction and added to these moments the holy. That's where the deep roots came in. The sacred dimension to time was added in and they were shared in community so it was a bonding experience too think of just a few of them they would all lean in together on their shared story their history the direction where they were going and God's role in it in the Passover what were we celebrating God's protection in the feast of first fruits what were we celebrating God's provision Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, God's forgiveness. And there were more regular ones too. New moon festivals every month, uh, the weekly Sabbath, all of this, more festivals throughout the year, all to mark our deep-rootedness, not to just be cycling in a hamster wheel forever. So it's a cycle with deep roots while moving forward in God's story, not just timestamps like our New Year's Eve. They had rich meaning and markers as the identity as God's people, your core identity being reminded to you and to the community regularly, cyclical and sacred, but with direction towards fulfillment. So why am I bringing this up? I noticed something maybe in myself, or maybe it applies more broadly. I think it does. I think that a cultural moment like our response to New Year's and New Year's Eve, points to a deeper human longing for some kind of rhythm to bring us a true sense of new life. We have a deep longing for that, to be rooted in something that can bring a sense of freshness. But without the deep roots, it doesn't quite feel like it has that richness to it. And there can be an emptiness that comes with the social pressure of the holidays. I knew I wanted to press into the words that Jade read for us, the words of Jesus as uh, translated by Eugene Peterson in the message. But I love this wording, the, the invitation from Jesus, learn the unforced rhythms of grace from Jesus. Sam and I have been talking about this passage as we've been talking about some new spiritual practices that we're going to be bringing into the community in this next cycle to really press into unforced rhythms of grace. Our crazy calendars are more likely to feel like they're fostering that frenzy of all who are weary and heavy burdened. In the more literal translation than the message one, we're going to take, did I take the NIV or the NLT? I think the NLT. Uh, Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Yes, please. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. I love that the unforced rhythms of grace are being offered to those who are weary and heavy burdened. Jesus doesn't say, hey, don't be weary and heavy burdened. It's all going to be okay. He doesn't say don't be. He said, come, you who are. Let me help you learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Come to me. Wouldn't it be amazing to be people who are deeply rooted in cyclical unforced rhythms of grace 
living in the reality of our linear timeline with purpose and direction, but with cycles of grace that keep us rooted in something richer, something that brings new life, new sense of fullness and hope and purpose. The one that God pressed on my heart these last couple of weeks as I spent a long time in a different posture than I was expecting, the one that God kept pressing on my heart is the rhythm of Sabbath rest. And at first, to be honest with you guys, when I thought about talking about Sabbath rest on this day, I felt nervous because like I said, Lucas and I had talked about this and we were gonna do way more worship, way less talking. My first response was, God, I don't have enough time to cover something as big as Sabbath. And I realized right away, well, this is just time scarcity right there. You just did it. You just did it. If I've given you something to say, like we can't be worried about time scarcity. And so I also would say this, when I was thinking about our time of worship and our focus on worship this morning, I believe a call to Sabbath rest is a call to worship. Remember when we talked through our last series about the advents of Jesus, right? When we talked about that someday future advent, when Jesus would return, and it wasn't like everybody was just gonna have to sit there with harps and worship 24-7. It's that all of what we do will be worship. When we're planting, when we're harvesting our tomatoes from our garden, when we're painting a piece of art, when we're building a bird feeder, when we're doing Uh, our number spreadsheets. I don't even know if we'll still have spreadsheets. I'll be honest. But if we do, it will be worship. The work of our hands won't be toil. It will all be worship. Sabbath rest gives us glimpses of all that we're doing is worship. So here we go. I'm going to say this disclaimer. I do not have time to unpack the beauty and the fullness of Sabbath, but God put it on my heart to say that we are being called to be people of Sabbath rest And I'm going to give you a few points to just hopefully give you enough to know that this is a serious thing to the heart of God. And we want to respond seriously to this beautiful call. So I'm just going to give you a couple of points and then point you to some other resources. Are you ready? This part's going to go fast. Sabbath is important to the heart of God. You guys, that's a really big deal right there. Sabbath is super important to God. God gave Moses and the people of God 10 commandments, just 10. This is how many fingers worth of things that were the most important thing for God to communicate. And number four was to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. It made the big list, you guys. Sabbath is important to the heart of God, and yet we treat it like an optional day off if it fits in our calendar. That's not in keeping with how we keep the other commandments, I don't think. So if this is part of God's design for humans, number four on the list, I would say that we should know that this kind of rhythm and cycle of God must be adding something sacred to our calendars. Let's just look really quickly at the fact that it's number four. There are 10 commandments. The first three have to do with our relationship with God. The next final or the final six have to do with our relationships with one another. Number four is a bridge between the two. It has to do with our relationship with God and with each other because as the people of God, we're called to hold on to a Sabbath so that even the ox and the slave can rest. It's not just about how you're doing or I'm doing this week. This is a rhythm that forms our families and forms communities. And it's important for all of creation with God and with each other. This is the bridge. So that's number one. It's really important to the heart of God. So we should pay attention. That matters. Number two, Sabbath is a gift for human flourishing. 
We know in the stories, Jesus kind of shook some Pharisees up because he was doing things on the Sabbath that were against the the rule book that had been written about how to do the Sabbath well. Well Well-intentioned rule book started missing the heart of God. And so Jesus said when he would heal on the Sabbath or uh, allow his disciples to to, um, take grain that they needed to eat, that felt like working to the Pharisees. This is against the rules. And Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was intended to help people, not burden them. So don't start looking at Sabbath like, oh my gosh, then I have a rule book I have to memorize. It's not about keeping rules. It's part of God's design for flourishing. It's a gift for flourishing. It's part of our designed human experience that we would Sabbath. Like that's part of what humanity is supposed to look like. There's something important here. I don't have time to get into what to do or what not to do here because I don't want it to be a rule book. I'll just say briefly this. I love to talk about ideas on what to do and what not to do. Quick little thing, it can be different for different people. What is your work? Restrain from that. What is creative and fun for you? You can do that. If you're a baker, I wouldn't bake on the Sabbath because it's for work. I love to bake a loaf of bread unrushed on the Sabbath because I don't often get a chance to bake. So it's allowed to look different. I would love to talk to anyone about ideas on how to make it work for you for sure. I would suggest uh, just think of something to create. Think of something that you just enjoy. Set down social media and don't uh, what's the word? Don't record it. You know, like, like let it just be a moment between you and God and creation. It's okay to not capture it. Like just let it be. Sit in something that's delightful. Unplug. Just unplug for a little bit. For families too. Families, I know. It's like, this is impossible. I don't know what you think. Sabbath doesn't mean that you're going to sit for a 24-hour Bible study, scripture meditation with candles lit in the quiet. Like that, no, it's so much more active and fun and engaging with that. There's so many ideas. Sam, if you help me remind me, let's put some resources in this week's newsletter for ideas on what to do. But it's, it's, um, it's about... Just joining in with God and keeping something holy. And uh, there's a lot of fun ways to do that. So anyway, that's the other thing. It's a gift, you guys. Sabbath is designed to be a gift, and it, it can be fun. All that you do is your worship. Baking bread is worship on the Sabbath. I don't know. It's really fun. Okay, here's the other thing I'd say. Sabbath is a part of creation. This is something that really struck me in a way that I hadn't thought of um, before studying in a book I'll show you in a minute. Sabbath was not a much-needed break from the exhausting work of creation. God did not get exhausted creating. God did not get exhausted creating and didn't need a break, okay? That's just, I want to make sure we hear that. It was not that. It was a part of what God created. Sabbath rest was created by God. This is the book that I think is amazing. Um, This is a rabbi, uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel. And he writes, you guys, it's it's a little book. It's so good. Um, I highly recommend it if you're struggling with this whole Sabbath concept. But let me say this. After six days of creation, the universe still lacked meha, rest. That's a, the, the kind of rest. There was a thing lacking in the universe. Soul rest, tranquility, serenity, peace, stillness, harmony, rest. That is what was created on the seventh day. It was the creation of the Sabbath. So I would say this, on the seventh day, God created that kind of rest and humans were made on day six. So what does that mean? It means that humans' first day was holy rest. 
They didn't toil for six days and then need a vacation break. Humans were designed to work, to steward the earth for flourishing, to, to multiply all that. They were designed to do that out of Sabbath rest, not come crashing into it exhausted. That, that's a tough one for me to not come crashing in, but, but that's what the design was. Start out of holy Sabbath rest. All else in creation was called good, 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 and even very good. But the creation of Sabbath was called holy. That was the one that God marked as holy, not about an optional day off, a holy part of creation. I wanted to see more about what Jesus did. I didn't think he probably baked bread like I love to do. I mean, I got it that that was different. That was more of like work that had to be done for provision. And yes, Sabbath can require some pre-planning. It's absolutely true. But I was thinking as I was um, walking around over the course of this break, I was like, Jesus, I wish we knew more of what you did. So we had some examples of what your delight on the Sabbath looked like. And it came to me really clearly, like Jesus healed on the Sabbath more than once. That's why the Pharisees got all a little upset about things. Because Jesus was healing. The son of God was healing. That was God's self healing on the Sabbath. And I believe with all of my heart that Jesus would tell us all that Jesus still knows how to heal in Sabbath rest. There is healing that comes in Sabbath rest. I believe that with all of my heart. I started to think about this for myself. I've been practicing intentional Sabbath with an asterisk for about three or four years now. I say with an asterisk because I confess to you guys that if you look at my footnote there, it's like unless a final paper is due or my sermon slides aren't ready or if I accidentally do something because I forget which day it is and I put a load in the water. Like I have an asterisk. I do not have this down. That's why I want to call us to try this truly. I mean it in community together to do this together. But let me just share a little bit from me on where I believe that God still heals through Sabbath rest. God heals us of our false identities. We're not what we do. And it gets really uncomfortable when we stop doing what we do for a little while. It can feel a little bit like things won't keep going. And we know that we're not really keeping the world going, but do we? Because we kind of feel like things aren't going to work out if we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. That's a false identity. And it's really ingrained in our culture Jesus can bring healing from false identities in the forcedness of intentional Sabbath rest. I believe that Jesus can heal, bring healing to the fear of missing out when we set down our phones. I believe it's important that we bring the healing to know that we're going to be okay without knowing what everybody else that we follow is doing today. It's going to be okay. And Jesus can bring healing because we don't even realize we carry that constant angst of needing to know until we set down on our phone and we don't know. And there's healing that comes in that. You can pick your phone back up the next day. It's okay to look at what people are doing. Instagram's lovely and fun. I'm not saying it's bad. But just for a day, see if there's some healing that needs to happen and how we've postured it. Number three, this is maybe I'm projecting a little, so let's not call it projecting. Let's call it sharing from me and see maybe if some of it might translate to you. I believe that Jesus can do healing on the shadow sides that creep up when we slow down. I love to be helpful. I love to be needed. Can I help? Can I do anything? But sometimes my shadow side is that I need to be needed or I don't 
remember what I'm supposed to do with my life or something. That was a little dramatic, but like I need to be needed in a not okay way. Sabbath brings that up every single week for me to look at it and for me to ask for healing from it so that my shadow side can be flooded with the light of the truth of Jesus every single time because there's healing and there's forgiveness there, but I need to know it's even there in the first place and Sabbath can bring that up. I believe that Sabbath can help to heal the lie that the world gets to set our metronome pace. One day, let the divine set the pace of your metronome. You can hop back onto your corporate world's metronome again on Monday or whatever day your Sabbath is. Like, it's okay. That's the world we live in. And I believe that God, through the Spirit, will equip us for exactly what we need in that space. But for one day, tell the world, You don't get to set my metronome. Today is set by the divine. Instead, this day roots us in the rhythm and the pace of the divine. I truly believe that this gift is something that we overlook as optional when if we were to accept Jesus' invitation to this unforced rhythm of grace, we would be changed not only as individuals but as a community in a way that would be noticeable by people around us and would shape our families as well. Amidst the resolutions and the hopes and dreams for New Year, I just want to boldly ask, would you say yes to just saying, like, yeah, I'm going to take this Sabbath thing seriously, and I'm going to give this a real try because it matters to the heart of God, and it may not go very well. I told you, I still have an asterisk, and I'm a long way in, but my commitment is to say I really want to tidy up that footnote. Like I, because I want to. I've already felt the healing that has come in this forced, unforced rhythm of grace. You guys, this divine unforced rhythm of grace that deeply roots us in a cycle, it resets us every week. I don't need to wait a whole year for some New Year's celebration to feel a reset. Do you know how much it matters to have the pattern and the cycle of our lives be shaped every seventh day? It's beautiful. It's worth it. I would tell you guys, it will take intentionality. It will take grace. God will give you the grace. Jesus has covered you in grace with your asterisks for sure. You're going to have to have some grace on yourself. You'll have to try new things, see what works and what doesn't. And it will take perseverance because when something isn't working out, like it's a commitment that goes back and says, but this is a gift. This matters to the heart of God and therefore it matters to me. So I believe that today God wanted to share with us an invitation, a holy invitation, divine rhythm living. Feels really, really appealing to me. I was praying about this and uh, sometimes when I'm praying, the words words in prayer come out through my pen. So I would say that um, the Lord shared this with you all, with us all, me too. I'm preaching to me. This rhythm of grace has already been created for you and for your flourishing. Grab it, hold it, honor it, even when it's inconvenient. Come and find my healing in this sacred rhythm, marking your true identity. I felt really insecure in asking you guys to actually like say, yeah, I I'm going to try. I'm going to do that. I'm going to take that seriously. But I just believe in my heart that God was saying, Melissa, all of you, me included, want you to be a pe- I want you to be a people of Sabbath rest, marked by that deep-rooted cycle of divine grace as you're moving forward with a purpose. 
let us respond in faith to God and say yes, that we want to be people marked by such an unforced rhythm of grace, a Sabbath rest. Um, Jesus, I'm going to need some help with this one. I imagine other people will too. I thank you for your invitation into unforced rhythm of grace. I thank you that you offer that to those who are weary and heavy burdened. I thank you, Jesus, that it wasn't for the people who um, had everything ironed out. It wasn't a correction on our weariness. It was an invitation for our weariness. And we want to say yes, but the world tells us uh, that that's not really very possible anymore or that that might be antiquated or something like that. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come against the lies of uh, any lies that would keep us away from an invitation that matters so much to the heart of God. Help us to respond. Help us to um, be creative. Help us to be supportive of one another. Help us to truly choose um, to honor your invitation, that you created this for our flourishing, God, that we would look at you when you're handing us a gift and close our hands. Lord, no, please don't let that be. Help us to posture ourselves to say, God, if you are handing us a gift, then, then we would want to say yes. We want to say yes and amen to all that you have for our design. Help us to do so, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. We love to keep the conversation going. Find a weekly gathering or gospel community in a neighborhood near you. To find out more, check us out online at missiodechicago.com.